0: You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode here on Locked On Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire and here we return with another episode sponsored by Built Bar. Be sure to go to builtbar.com use promo code locked on and you'll get $10 off of your first order. And we are back here on a Monday. Another week means another week of Ravens talk here on the show and Even though the sports world is still at pretty much a complete halt, and, you know, the football news isn't coming in really as hot as it was during March and, of course, during the draft, but this is still a time where we can analyze different things about not only the Ravens, but throughout the rest of the NFL, and I think that's a key point. Something that's kind of forgotten is, you know, sometimes those purple blinders, as I've been calling them over the last few weeks, They can come on and, you know, kind of disregard the rest of the NFL and say, look, the Ravens are the best team, and they have no weaknesses, and they're the best, and they have all these great players, and no way that anybody's stopping them. Well, the NFL is comprised of 32 teams. These 32 teams have plenty of good players, and something that I did last week was I went over... The AFC North, and not the Ravens, but the rest of the AFC North talking about the Browns, the Bengals, and the Steelers, and you know, I just like talking about the draft on Mondays. I guess it all started with the mock draft Monday, so we're not going to do mock draft Mondays anymore. Of course, I think that'd be a little too soon to start doing the 2021 mock drafts on on a weekly basis, but I do want to kind of go back over the 2020 draft, not from an entirely Ravens perspective. But looking at the rest of the NFL, both AFC and NFC teams, and I never really did my winners and losers throughout the entire NFL. Now I did it for, you know, the AFC North, and I did kind of a, a brief thing for right after the draft, but I really want to do a more in-depth one. Talk about a few teams who I thought were winners and really thought had phenomenal draft classes, and then and then a few teams who I thought disappointed, uh, didn't draft for need or reach for players. And you're not no no team's gonna have a perfect draft, right? There, there are ones that are close. The Ravens being one of them, of course. But no team's going to have the perfect draft, the board isn't going to fall the way that these teams want it to, so sometimes it's all about how the general managers, the scouts, the coaches, the owners react to having a board fall the wrong way. And I think the Ravens year in and year out do a really good job at having the personnel decision makers react in a way that's not panicky, but gets the job done. So, in the first segment here, we're going to be talking about the winners, in my opinion, of the 2020 draft. In the second segment, we're going to talk about the losers, and then in the third segment, some sleeper picks that I really liked. And look, the Ravens are not off-limits from any one of these lists, and if you know how much I like the Ravens draft, and of course, if you know how much the rest of the world like the rest of the Ravens draft, you should know which side of the spectrum the Ravens are going to fall on here. But having some more, you know, just insight on NFL teams outside of Baltimore, I think it'll do Good, not only for just having that general knowledge, but also as the Ravens play these teams, whether it be in the regular season or in the playoffs. So, with all that being said, let's jump in. But before we do that, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Ravens and my personal account at Kostriker34. And be sure to tell your friends that we are out creating content Monday through Friday. 6 a.m. Eastern time is when we post. So. With well, all that being said, we're going to jump right in starting off with the winners, and I don't think it'd be right on a Ravens podcast talking about the 2020 draft winners to not put the Ravens number one on this list, and you can say, well, what? I mean, come on. No. See, what you have to look at this as a whole thing and look at all 32 teams. Just because I said it was going to be an NFL thing does not mean I can exclude the Ravens from these lists, and thus... The Ravens make this list at number one, and the, the reason for this is multiple reasons. One, they just let the board fall the way that, that it fell. They didn't rush anything. They didn't panic, right? Once guys started going off the board kind of in that, you know, 17 to 27 range right before the Ravens picked, there were definitely guys who the Ravens had rated very highly on their board who ended up getting drafted. Now, the Ravens did not panic, and they ended up just sitting pat and getting Patrick Queen at pick number 28, a pick that really just goes to show what the Ravens are about. They don't care about what the other teams do. They get their good players and you know what, that's okay. The Ravens have guys who are highly rated on their board who are still available. And obviously the situation becomes a little less clear if Patrick Queen was selected before pick 28. I'm sure Baltimore did have guys who I'm sure they would have selected with that selection if Patrick Queen was gone and they liked enough where they say we we'd pick this guy in the early 30s we'll pick him a few spots earlier to be able to secure Him? I mean, again, they could have also traded back. But the Ravens let the board fall. They let J.K. Dobbins, the running back out of Ohio State, not a need necessarily for the team, but again, stacking strength on strength, that's what the Ravens do best. They now have a four-headed monster at running back. They then address wide receiver with Devin DuVernay, drafted Malik Harrison, Tyree Phillips, Justin Matabuike, all guys who either can contribute right away or are projects. And now, obviously, that's that's a very broad spectrum, But I think that's what the Ravens wanted. They wanted a kind of a mix of guys who are starter, you know, pro-ready and are able to contribute right away. Then also at the positions where they maybe could afford it to have some guys who are more prospect, project-ish type players. And I think that's great. The Ravens then go out and get Ben Bredesen. We'll talk about him a little bit later. James Prochet, Geno Stone. More guys we'll talk about a little bit later. The value that the Ravens get in in what seems like each and every draft. And no, the Ravens are not perfect. They will have players who they reach for. They will have players that, that won't turn out well. And out of these 10 guys... There are guys who most likely will not pan out, whether they be busts or whether they be projects that don't, you know, contribute and never contribute. Regardless, the Ravens had a phenomenal draft. You you can't say anything really negative about this. Maybe, yeah, the fact that they gave up their 2021 fifth round pick, one of them at least, was maybe something that could have been prevented. But to move up and select their guy, that's the price that it took. And the Ravens obviously have immense trust, and they loved James Prochet and even Geno Stone to make that move to surrender what could be a very valuable pick. And we know the Ravens love their fifth round pick. So, if you end up getting traded for one of those fifth round picks, as was the case technically with James Prochet and Geno Stone, you are very special to this organization. The Ravens, an A plus from me. Another team who got an A plus in my book, the Dallas Cowboys. Now, the Cowboys, in my opinion, absolutely killed this draft and and the reason I say that is because they just got value after value after value and it seems like the players they got really fit that I guess cowboy way obviously C.D. Lamb at pick 17 one of the greatest value picks in this entire draft even though it it was in the first round but when you have C.D. Lamb there It's really hard not to take him. The Philadelphia Eagles obviously were waiting and, you know, licking their chops at the potential to select CeeDee Lamb. Obviously did not happen, but for the Cowboys, he slots right in with Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and now Lamb in there as well. Yeah, definitely wasn't a need for them, but when the talent is there, best player available, just like the Ravens would have done and, and have done over the past, you know, however many years it's been. They have employed a strategy, the Ravens, and it seems like these other teams are picking up on it. Now, the best player available strategy isn't exclusive to the Ravens, but when other teams use it, it seems like some people say, oh man, C.D. Lamb, why? You know, Amari Cooper just got paid, and Michael Gallup's still there. Well, it's stacking strength on strength. The Cowboys then select Trevon Diggs, the cornerback out of Alabama, Neville Gallimore in the third round, Reggie Robinson the second, in the fourth, and also Tyler Biedish in the fourth, Bradley Anai in the fifth, and they got a quarterback back in the 7th round. I mean, the guys just down the list are guys who I had really highly rated on my board and thus, I thought the Cowboys did a really good job. I think their secondary needed a bit of improvement. You could say they could have selected a guy like maybe Antoine Winfield Jr. or something of this sort in the first round, but I think that was a little high. The 17th pick was a little high. They get Trevon Diggs who fell. Reggie Robinson is a smaller school guy, but still I think ready to play pro football. And then Gallimore and Anai, I think, are, again, two two really good value picks Gallimore I had going in the second round, Anai had going anywhere in the third round and, and below. I mean, third, fourth round, the Cowboys got him towards the end of the fifth round in, in the compensatory picks. So I think the Cowboys did a great job. The last team I'll put is my winner, and then I'll do a few honorary mentions. I think the Minnesota Vikings did an exceptional job in drafting this year. Justin Jefferson fell to them. And look, I think that we'll talk about the decision to pass on Justin Jefferson by the Eagles in a bit. Justin Jefferson, I believe, was better than Jalen Rager. And I think the Eagles should have taken him at 21. Now, the Eagles, I think they like their speed. They want to have that Deshaun Jackson home run hitter. Justin Jefferson, I think, is going to do really well for the Vikings. The Vikings needed a receiver after trading Stephon Diggs. And I think that Justin Jefferson is a hard worker, very good. And, I mean, he's going to be a guy who contributes for them for a very long time. Then they had a second first round pick, and they go with Jeff Gladney, the cornerback out of TCU. Again, somebody who you could argue could have gone maybe to the Oakland Raiders. They select a Damon Arnett, a corner who I think had second round uh, value, but you know, to each their own. Gladney was a good pick for the Vikings. Ezra Cleveland with the 58th pick, the offensive tackle out of Boise State. There were rumors that maybe the Browns would select him with that 10th overall selection. Now, obviously, I think he was more of a second round prospect myself, and I think the Vikings got good value there. Cameron Dansler, another faller, another second round value in the third round. DJ Wonham, James Lynch, and Troy Dye, one of my favorites in the fourth round, all really good and will shore up that front seven for them. Harrison Hand, KJ Osborne, Blake Brendel, Josh medallist Kenny Willicks, Nathan Stanley, Brian Cole, and Kyle Hinton. Wow, what a draft that was. 13 total picks for the Minnesota Vikings, and that is a lot of picks. But they really, I think, maximize the value on all of them. I think they got a lot of good value. And I think that for the Vikings, they have a lot of depth now. Now, how many of these guys make the team, who knows? It's it's a bit of a interesting question for now but for me personally I think those three teams the Ravens Cowboys and Vikings really blew the doors off the draft for me again I mentioned the Cleveland Browns last week is kind of a team that did really well I think they're my honorary mention for a winner here I think they did really well the Jaguars had two first round picks and, and I think they delivered on those so I think they had a good draft as well but overall some winners in this draft and obviously you're gonna have winners every year but some of the talent that these teams got like the Ravens and the Cowboys and the Vikings It just seems like it all piled up in one place. So really impressive from those three teams. And it's going to be interesting to see how the talent develops for them. We're going to head into our first break now. But when we return, we're going to be talking about some of the losers from the 2020 draft. So stay tuned for that. And we will be right back. But before we do that, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. They're tasty. They're healthy. It's an amazing protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And there are 16 amazing flavors, including eight in the chocolate and nut flavor and eight in the chocolate and nut-free flavor. They're covered in 100% chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew. They're also very healthy as you can lose or maintain weight while snacking on a delicious treat. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. And two of those flavors include peanut butter brownie and a mint brownie. So go to builtbar.com and use promo code Locked On. You'll get ten dollars off your first order. Use promo code Locked On for ten dollars off at builtbar.com. And we are back with our second segment of this Monday Locked On Ravens episode. Kevin Olszewski is still hanging with you here. And as we get into our second segment, we just talked about the winners. But now we're going to get into the losers of that 2020 draft. In my opinion, obviously, you know, I might not speak for everybody and some people might like the drafts that these teams had. Other people might not like the drafts of the winners that I said in the first segment. But still, I still think it's an important thing to be able to get the, I guess, intel on the other teams throughout the NFL. So I think we're going to start with our losers segment. Another AFC North team. I talked about them last Monday. Again, if you haven't Watch that segment yet, be sure to check it out, but I'm gonna say the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the main reason for this is, look, they did get Minka Fitzpatrick, in exchange for their 2020 first-round pick and a few other picks. But I think it's, we're going to do this based off of the players they drafted, and I still do believe that Chase Claypool was a reach. And the reason I believe that is I think there were better receivers on the board. Uh, I think the Steelers wanted to get a bigger receiver. Claypool's a little bit raw uh, from what I've seen, and you know you can put him at tight end, you can put him at wide receiver, put him in the slot. He's a big matchup nightmare. But again, I, I don't know. I just think that Claypool on the Steelers it, it pick 49, I would have rather them taken Jalen Hurts or J.K. Dobbins if I were the Steelers, if I, if I was a Steelers fan myself. I, again, I think what happens when Ben Roethlisberger retires? Is it going to be the Mason Rudolph show? Well, they can't tank to get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields because the Steelers aren't going to be in that top five, top 10 pick range, in my opinion, unless Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt in the preseason or just has an atrocious year. But I think the Steelers are still going to finish third in the AFC North, kind of in that, you know, 10 to 15, 10 to 17 pick range. That's not enough to get Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence unless they come crashing back down to earth, which again, I don't think is going to happen. So I think that Hurts would have been good. I think he would have been really good for their offense. And again, with J.K. Dobbins, I think James Conner is a little too injury prone. They did have picks I liked. I liked Kevin Dotson. I liked Anthony McFarland. I thought Antoine Brooks Jr. was a good pick. Alex Highsmith in the third round, maybe a round early for me, but still, I like the ability for him to kind of learn under Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt. In my opinion, I think the Claypool pick really puts a damper on it for me. Another team who I thought lost was the Green Bay Packers. A stat that absolutely astounded me was through Aaron Rodgers' entire career, he has only thrown one touchdown pass to a first-round pick across any player that's come to Green Bay through free agency or the draft or via trade one single touchdown to a first round pick. And do you want to know who that player was? It was Mercedes Lewis. He threw it to him in 2019. So not even a player the Packers picked. He was a, you know, kind of forgotten tight end, really good in Jacksonville, but still coming over to the Packers, one touchdown. You would think that the Packers would want to surround their franchise quarterback with talent. Well, they go out and select another quarterback to potentially make him angry, to potentially challenge him for his job, make him uncomfortable in Jordan Love. And I'm not going to be out here saying that Jordan Love isn't going to be good, isn't going to, you know, do what Aaron Rodgers did and, you know, supplant Rodgers and hopefully take the Packers back to the promised land. If the Packers have it their way, obviously Rodgers did that with Brett Favre. But I mean, honestly, I think that the Packers still have a very good window to win the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback. They could have gone out and selected Michael Pittman Jr. They could have gone out and selected T. Higgins, a receiver for them to put next to Devontae Adams. Their receiving core outside of Adams, they had some good players. Alan Lazard, one Marquez Valdez, scotling another. But I think that for the Packers, they could have done well by adding another running back potentially, and they go out and add A.J. Dillon in the second round, a player who I had in the fifth round, so I don't know what was going on there. I mean, I would have rather had a few other guys uh, before A.J. Dillon. But I just think for the Packers, they didn't surround Aaron Rodgers with the talent that I would have liked to see them surround him with, especially a guy who's getting older and I think doesn't have, you know, many, many years left. I think he still has a few good years under his belt. But again, you want to maximize on those good years and selecting a player who either is going to have to be in the game or not one quarterback on the field at a time. Unless you're running trick plays. I think that for the Packers, this wasn't a good way to approach things. Uh, I think Jordan Love could have been taken in the second round easily. It's even a bit of a reach for me. So that's another team who I think really didn't do a, a great job in this draft personally. Another team, the Philadelphia Eagles, now I mentioned the decision for them passing up on Justin Jefferson for Jalen Rager. Two guys who were linked to the Ravens. I did not expect Rager to go at 21. Rager was more of a second round prospect to me personally. Uh, Justin Jefferson was more of a mid-round first prospect to me Personally, so I think that, I don't know, the the Eagles want that speedster, they go out and then select Jalen Hurts in the second round. Again, you want to have these players, these quarterbacks, we'll talk about Carson Wentz here, who aren't, aren't, you know, looking behind them, fearing if, look, this is maybe going to be my last snap as a starter before I get benched here mid-game. That really does a number on a player in the ability for them to have confidence in themselves. And the Eagles selected Jalen Hurts. That was not a vote of confidence in Carson Wentz. They could have selected Denzel Mims. They could have selected another wide receiver because that receiver core. I mean, adding Jalen Rager, yeah, it helps a lot. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, they were going with nothing in the playoffs when they were playing, and it was just—it was a sight for sore eyes to see, you know, for Eagles fans at least to see them select a receiver. I would have maybe gone with another receiver, uh, maybe has some help in the secondary. But I mean, look, Hertz is you know a guy who they probably really like. Uh, He's a guy who I think they're they're going to have to build around. It's kind of a Lamar Jackson situation where, look, Hurts is somebody who has been characterized by people as not a quarterback, and I think that's very wrong. I think Jalen Hurts is a quarterback, and he has a lot of talent. I, w- I wanted the Ravens to select Jalen Hurts back when he was you know a freshman at Alabama, but for me, I think that the Eagles could have done better with selecting you know maybe Justin Jefferson in the first round, and then what I would have hoped could have been you know somebody who could have helped the Eagles a little bit better. So, my final loser here, and I know that we've kind of gone over three winners and then my honorary mention, but I want to have a fourth loser in here. And for me, I think that's the Chicago Bears. Now, the Bears did not have a first round pick to work with, but honestly, in the second round, the pick did not impress me. It was Cole Komet. He was the first tight end taken off the board, but the tight end need for the Bears is literally is non-existent in fact it is the least needed position on the team after the 2020 draft concluded the Bears had 10 not not kidding 10 tight ends on their roster that is ridiculous I mean look the Cole Komet could be the next best tight end in the NFL who knows but based off of need the Bears could have I don't know picked something other than a tight end i mean the bears could have gone with a wide receiver they could have gone with a running back i know they picked david montgomery but maybe a one-two punch with david montgomery the defense needs some help to kind of have some guys outside of khalil Mack and eddie jackson doing work there tight end was literally not a need and I, i i'm dumbfounded at this selection personally uh, the Ravens really value their tight ends right you don't see them going out and picking 18 million tight ends because they can uh, and signing 18 million tight ends because they can you know they have five tight ends who could theoretically make the roster two of them are obviously going to and Nick Boyle and Mark Andrews but they're not you know having 10 guys and then spending a second round pick or a third round pick on let's say Adam Troutman right that's that wouldn't have been a good selection for them in the third round maybe as you got later in the draft it could have been but they ended up doing a good job of getting an undrafted guy, two undrafted guys for that matter, who could really help this team. Personally, Jalen Johnson, I liked him, but very injury prone. Uh, Travis Gibson, uh early pick in my opinion. I mean, the, for the Bears, the NFC North, it was really hit or miss, honestly. I thought the Lions had a very good draft as well, uh, picking DeAndre Swift and obviously Jeff Okuda. But for me, I think the Bears just could have done better with their second round pick. That's really where this draft just goes really downhill for me. And, you know, it didn't even get a, have a chance to go uphill. Ten tight ends on that roster. Komet's obviously going to be one that makes the final 53 man but I think they could have selected somebody who fills a need and helps the Bears get back to the playoffs. And I think, Mr. Bisky is he that guy? Who knows? I don't think so personally. But, I mean, you could have selected another weapon for him to help him along. Cole Komet is a weapon, but, again, they signed Jimmy Graham, put a no-trade clause in his contract. So I think that the Bears could have done a little bit better with their draft. We're going to head into our final break here, but when we return, we're going to be talking about some good value picks across the board throughout the entire NFL. So stay tuned, and we will be back soon. Welcome back to the final segment of this Locked On Ravens Monday edition episode. Kevin Ostrich is still hanging with you here, and we've talked about the winners of the 2020 draft, and we've talked about the losers But now it's time to get into some of those value sleeper picks that were either in the later rounds or even up in the first round throughout the entire NFL. And again, we can't start this segment without talking about three Ravens. And I could talk about guys like J.K. Dobbins. I could talk about guys like Millie Harrison. But for the Ravens, I'm going to focus on day three. And I'm going to say that Ben Bredesen, James Prochet, and Geno Stone were three of the best value picks and steals in this draft. The Ravens, all three of these guys, they fill a need. And now you could look at Geno Stone as a safety and say, well, what? The Ravens have Earl Thomas and Chuck Clark and Sean Elliott's there. Anthony Levine. Well, I mean, the Raven safety room, yes, Clark and Elliot are pretty young, Daryl Thomas is getting up there in age. Anthony Levine is getting up there in age. Even Jimmy Smith, who's a corner that's been rumored to maybe get some snaps at safety in 2020, he's up there in age as well. I think the Ravens want Gino Stone to come into that Anthony Levine role, be really good on special teams. And Stone said in a media interview that he knows he's going to have to play special teams in order, order to contribute and to really make this team in 2020. And I think he's up for the task and I think he can do it. For James Prochet, he's the guy who got over 100 balls at SMU in 2019, very good. His hands, his hands, oh my God, they are so good. He barely drops a thing. And that's what the Ravens wanted to prioritize when you get Devin DuVernay and you get James Prochet. Guys who will not let that football hit the ground and will help the Ravens get into maybe third and more manageable situations, maybe pick up that first down on third and five, third and six. He will be there to pick up that slack. And finally, Ben Bredesen, a guy who I had in the mid third round is a guy who you know I think could be a day one starter for Baltimore, despite them having so many options at the interior offensive line. And to me, I think he's going to prove that he's going to be one of the best value picks in this draft because he was a four-year starter at Michigan, very sound, is actually very versatile, and there have been maybe some rumors out there that he could move To center, But I see him as a guard. I think that he's going to end up playing guard for the Ravens' left guard, to be exact. And I think that he's really, really good and a very good value pick. Another guy who I talked about, and a guy who's not on the Ravens, unfortunately, Donovan Peoples-Jones. He's a guy who I had rated in the third round on my board. And the reason for that is because I just think he didn't get a fair shake in Michigan. He has very good intangibles and measurables. I think that he's going to be really good in this league. Obviously, going to Cleveland, not ideal for Ravens fans but... I mean, look, the Browns saw value, and I I, I would have done the same thing if I was Cleveland. He is very big. The quarterback play, as I've said multiple times, at Michigan for him during his Michigan tenure was atrocious, to put it nicely. So I think that for the Ravens, he could have been a guy who maybe you would have picked instead of James Prochet. But now looking at it, I think the Ravens wanted a very specific type of receiver, and Peoples-Jones didn't fit that. James Prochet obviously did. So Peoples-Jones, another great pick. I really liked the Josh Jones pick for the Arizona Cardinals. He's a guy who, honestly, the Ravens could have potentially taken in the first round. The Cardinals get him towards the middle of that third round, the 72nd overall pick, and the Cardinals were in the market for some offensive line help. They needed to protect Kyler Murray a little better than they did in 2019. They obviously could have selected one of those big guys on the offensive line. They could have selected Tristan Wirfs or Jedrick Willis, but they end up going with Isaiah Simmons, which I think was actually the right pick. I think that was the right pick for them. Isaiah Simmons, a generational talent, would have been ecstatic if he fell into the Ravens' laps. But Josh Jones is someone who I think could have even slid in to play guard for Baltimore if they had decided to take him. But for me, I think the Cardinals got really good players, and they're another team who I thought did really well in this draft. I think I could. Put them as a winner as well. Another guy who I really liked and I think is going to be a steal is Zach Bond. Now, I think Zach Bond was a third-round player. And, I mean, you could chalk that up to the failed drug test or a bunch of different other things. He's a guy who's a hybrid. He's an inside and outside linebacker. Can play some edge. But I I wouldn't have selected him with the 55th or 60th pick. Ravens obviously decided to go with Justin Matuike with the 71st pick, and Bond went with the 71st. fourth pick, but I mean, still, I think that I would have selected Bond with the 71st pick. I think that was good value for him. The Saints obviously get him at 74. The way that Zach Bond provides value is with that versatility. He can line up inside. He can line up outside. Had 12 and a half sacks in 2019, but he is a bit lacking uh, in size to play that edge position at the next level, so I think inside linebacker might be where he projects. Kind of reminds me of a Tyus Bowser guy who could potentially both play inside and outside. Now, Bowser has that size to play the outside. Bond, on the other hand, does not. I still think that he was a great value pick for the New Orleans Saints. And finally, I mean, we've talked about these guys before, but I think Bradley and I was a phenomenal value pick and the Cowboys I think their draft as I mentioned was full of those value picks and he's a guy who had 29 and a half sacks over three seasons for the Utah Utes he's an impact playmaker really a leader on that defense the Ravens have had some success with Utah Utes in their past Eric Weddle Steve Smith to name a few now those guys were free agent signings, so maybe a guy will come the Ravens way maybe 10 years down the road but personally I think this was a great bit for the Dallas Cowboys again I mentioned a guy who I thought could have gone in the third round and below third fourth round guy. Cowboys get him in the compensatory area of the fifth round. That is ridiculous. I this is a great pick. I would have rather seen the Ravens take him at 170 instead of Roger Washington. That's just my opinion. I think Roger Washington no ill will against Broderick Washington, but I just think and would have filled the need for Baltimore. Roger Washington now comes into a very crowded defensive line room for the Baltimore Ravens, so I think a night was great for them. CeeDee Lamb, of course, I mean, I think the best receiver in the draft, personally, it was him, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs were my rankings, so I think him and Gallimore Biedish, all guys who are going to make impact for the Dallas Cowboys in 2020. When the Ravens go up against these guys, it'll be interesting to see how they perform, but I think this was a great draft all around by the Dallas Cowboys and, of course, by the Baltimore Ravens, but those are just a few of my sleeper picks, who we should all be looking out for as the 2020 season and future seasons progress. That's all I have for you guys today. When we get back tomorrow, we're going to be getting into more Ravens talk. So stay tuned for that, and I will see you tomorrow.